You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Cura with Canada's honorary Oos, Sheldon Jones. How's it going, man? <laughs> doing well. How are you? My voice still is in a hundred percent, but uh, doing hey. pretty well, <laughs> considering. <laughs> it was fun time, though. Yeah, Monday Night Raw in Edmonton was a very good time. I must say, when I held your sign while you visited the facilities, man, uh, I got all your attention. <laughs> People like the sign. It was, it was. I guess it was a good sign. It was a good time. And I, I wanted to open by running these by you. The Toronto Blue Jays releasing the number of hot dogs eaten on loony night throughout the season and almost half a million hot dogs through those games, 444,854 hot dogs. The attendance for loony night, a combined 377,138 people. So that's 1.18 hot dogs per fan. I gotta say, Blue Jays fans, yours truly Quite disappointed in those numbers. What about you, Sheldon? <laughs> yeah, for a loony, like I'd be putting away probably four a game. Like, what the hell? And it doesn't look like they're giving you like these crappy hot dogs. Looks like they're giving you the good ones for a buck. I'd be stacking up on those all night. At least one an inning. At least. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could do nine. That's crazy. <laughs> but I know... At Pat's games here, they used to have Wiener Wednesday. When there's a game on Wednesday, it'd be two for one hot dogs. And I'd usually pound, yeah, in between the intermissions, so four. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's – and a lot of people would do it too. Like, hot dog, hot dogs are great. Like, if you don't like hot dogs, you're a bad person. Sorry. <laughs> Look, I can – I can understand not wanting to eat a hot dog knowing what's in it. Um, but <laughs> like if I had the choice between a boiled hot dog or no hot dog, sometimes I might go no hot dog. It's been a while since I've boiled a hot dog, but if there's a campfire nearby, oh, I'll put back about a dozen. No problem. Boil, boil it, steam it. Air fry it. They're they're delicious in the air fryer. I'm You're all you. in. Yeah, no, I I like hot dogs. <laughs> well, I, okay, I should take back the boiling thing. If you're making the KD, throw the hot dog in wow. there as you're cooking the noodle. Pro I'm move, sure. which I'm sure just about every Canadian knows anyway. This episode of Two and Out brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Look, this weekend, October arrives. In Canada, fall, at least in Alberta, fall is about a week and a half long. So winter's coming <laughs> and energy usage for Albertans will be increasing and we know the natural gas prices, they're not exactly going down. So now's a good time for you to look at your utility bills, ensure you're on the best plan. Park Power provides free, no obligations comparisons. It's really easy to switch providers. So to find out more, go to parkpower.ca. Week 17 of the CFL season starts in Winnipeg, where the Bombers are home to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. These two teams played a few weeks ago in the Banjo Bowl in Winnipeg. Not pretty. The Bombers are eight-point favorites. The over-under set at 47-and-a-half. And Friday is uh, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation in Canada. So the Bombers... And the Riders going to be wearing orange jerseys in warm-up. They're going to be auctioning them off after 
the game, uh, a raffle which will help fund Indigenous sports programs in the province, as well as special events in Indigenous communities. That is such a great, great initiative. And CFL referee Brian Krupolo, uh the waggle or the diversity is strength conversations with the CFL he has been a ref for 18 years. He is the CFL's first Métis official, and it looks like he's going to be announcing each of the calls in the game in Ojibwe to mark the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. So both of these two teams uh, walk in the walk, and you love to see it happening this Friday in Winnipeg. Some good news on the field for the Riders, as it does appear Dan Clark is set to return to the offensive line. Sheldon, it goes without saying, an area of struggle for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It seems like at times this season, they've been serviceable. I thought they were good on Labor Day. They were good in the game before against uh, against uh, BC, but last game against Edmonton, the Banjo Bull against Winnipeg, not a good position. It'll be good to have the leader of the offensive line back for the Riders. But first game back from injury, we don't know how that's going to go as well, hey? Yeah, he's going to have to shake off the rust. Uh, but I think even just having that presence in the huddle, him him calling out the, what, the looks that he sees, uh, I think... That's got to give a boost to this whole line. I would hope. We'll see. Yeah, it seems like they need a boost in almost all areas of the locker room for Saskatchewan, especially the defense. I don't know what happened to them. I'm going to stop with the 92 jokes eventually, but as soon as he was gone... And Anthony Lanier not ready to return. The the push up the middle was gone. The pressure on the quarterback was gone. And the rushing defense was gone. But that doesn't explain the quality or the lack thereof tackling from the entire defense. Basically, other than uh, Larry Dean and Darnell Sankey, that was just gone as well. It, it just seems like the fire and the aggression and passion from the defense kind of disappeared the last few games. And the mountain is higher than ever because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers want to clinch a home playoff game. They want to clinch that West final at IG Field. So (laughs) winning this game, and I know the Bombers coming up that loss in Hamilton, so maybe there's some opportunities there, but this is a tough situation. But what does the defense have to do? They, How do we wake them up? They're pro football players. Uh, at, at some point, it's got to fall on the players themselves, right? Yeah, uh, hopefully they took a look in the mirror in the, in the bye week here. Our, the Riders' strength was their defense up until the last couple of games. And so I, I know we joke about Marino, but it, I can't see the impact of that one player meaning this much to the team. Uh, I think it's just, like you said, a bunch of small little contributions there. Um, Mike Eden probably had his worst game as a pro against Edmonton. Uh, so hopefully he did some reflecting there. Maybe something was nagging him. Who knows? Uh, but... Yeah, the Bombers are going to be fired up. Having them lose to Hamilton the way that they did is the absolute worst thing that could have happened to the Riders this week. I think so. <laughs> because had they had they steamrolled Hamilton or even just won Hamilton, then you're maybe looking at a trap game situation that the Riders might be able to get a win here. That's gone now. Um, Zach Caleros has never lost two games back-to-back as a member of the Blue Bombers. Uh, so... I mean, he hasn't lost very many games at all as a member of the Blue Bombers, yeah, but that's fair. Uh, they're they're going to be fired up. They're at home. The Riders, 
I hate to say it. I, I think this is some karma for how I've been, you know, beaking the Red Blacks and the Elks fans. <laughs> I'm not winning at home because we have, the Riders haven't won at home in five games now. So, Well, here's the thing. But, <laughs> Going into last week, it honestly looked like the crossover was in danger for Saskatchewan. But then <laughs> Ottawa goes out and they were absolutely terrible. Nothing went right in that game for them. And Hamilton goes to Montreal and loses as well. So there were opportunities for those guys to stay into the hunt for that third in the Eastern Division. Now, even if Saskatchewan loses this one, it looks like Ottawa and Hamilton are in a tough spot to squeak in to that third place. Another strength for the Riders has been running back, but Jamal Morrow hurt, and now Frankie Hickson out for the next few weeks with a fractured wrist. It does appear that Keenan LaFrance uh, may be stepping into running back at that position. I mean, the good news is maybe they can uh, gain some ratio flexibility there, and the Riders do have depth that, I mean, Canadian receiver as well. So we'll see how they use that to their advantage here. Um, maybe that'll help keeping a Cooper Richardson on the offensive line, who actually has been, I think, a bright spot. A bright spot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since getting yes. onto the roster. But it goes without saying, there has been drama off the field too. Jake Dolagala, a backup quarterback for the Riders, uh, he was arrested. Uh, impaired driving charge there. Man. You talk about discipline, but it happens off the field too, and just a terrible decision by him and the team in the news again on the negative side. It just it doesn't seem to stop for this Rough Rider team, <laughs> whether they're playing or not, and that might be the saddest thing of it all. Cody Fajardo, <laughs> the Bombers are a mountain for him. He has one passing touchdown in their last five games against Winnipeg. We'll see how fired up he is this week. But the Bombers, like you said, going to be coming in angry off of that loss. And incredibly, Dalton Schoen needs 12 more yards to cross the 1,000-yard plateau. An American rookie in the CFL. I mean, he's got... Zach Kolaros throwing him the ball, but the chemistry they've been able to to garner in such a short time is such a treat to watch. I think he leads the league in second down conversions. He leads the league in yards per catch. <laughs> he and and anytime it's the scramble drill or the a play breaks down, Sean knows where to go and Kolaros knows how to hit him. Sean probably the CFL's rookie of the year, Sheldon. He has to be. Like, a few weeks ago, I'm sure there were some people that were still saying, oh, it's got to be Rourke, even with him missing time. But, no, just with, with the yardage that he's got, like you said, leading all those categories, he's near the top in touchdowns too, I think. Yeah. He's, like, yeah, he's – he crown him now. He's Rookie of the Year. Uh, and he's going to go off this week because I didn't put him in my fantasy lineup <laughs> for the first time this season, I think. Uh, you know, he's fun to watch. It, like, as a Ryder fan, completely frustrating to watch when the, that scramble drill happens. But Oh, you think a play is done the and Kolaris is going to throw it away? Nope. <laughs> they're the, yeah, they're the best in the league at that, bar none. Yeah. And uh, it, it's getting to be fun to watch because you, you can't stop it, so you might as well just embrace it, right? Well, that's the thing about the Bombers. When they get down, they don't panic. But, but it's also on a play-to-play -play basis. When, when a play breaks down, they don't panic there either. And more times than not, they're able to make it work and able to turn the play into a positive. Even against Hamilton, they fought back to within 10 points. And then the Ticats were able to hit them with that seven-minute drive, and it really was the dagger in the game, which is really, really phenomenal. I think the Bombers' defense is not as dominant as we've been 
become accustomed to over the last few seasons too. So I think that will be something to watch down the stretch as well. Will the Bombers be able to start creating some turnovers and start pressuring the quarterback? It sounds crazy. It just hasn't gone that way for them as of late. And I I think we got to shout out to some other Bomber receivers as well. I know the pressure was on Rasheed Bailey coming into the season. And right now, he's got 496 yards in five touchdowns. I think a lot of people had him pegged as a 1,000-yard receiver. And then the last few weeks, I think he's really started to turn it on here. Against Hamilton, he had five catches, 65 (laughs) yards, and a touchdown in the Banjo Bowl. That great effort on that touchdown there with the ball just barely touching the pylon. He had five catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. So he's... He's playing really well there as well. And even Brandon O'Leary-Orange, we'll see if he gets back onto the roster. But against Hamilton last week, six catches, 72 yards. And then the Banjo Bowl, he had two catches, 33, and a touchdown. So another great uh, Canadian receiver, big guy, six foot four, 207 pounds, getting into the roster for the Bombers and making an impact there too. So maybe they're not the flashiest offense in the league, but they are making things happen and making the most of their opportunities. And that running game is now going. And yeah. with the Ryder defense struggles as of late, Maybe Brady Oliveira is a nice option in the fantasy lineup. I know I have him this week. Um, when, when they get down to the goal line, <laughs> maybe they're going to give it to Drew Brown or uh, to go to Prukop, but I'm banking on a handoff or two to Mr. Oliveira. Yeah, um, I think the thing that is separating Winnipeg from everyone else, it's not just the players, it's the coaching. They they have a phenomenal group of coaches and uh, it's every year. (laughs) It's just, they, they know what to do, right? They know how to coach their guys up. Like you said, they, they don't, they don't let the being down affect them. O'Shea always has them riled up, ready to go. They make second half adjustments. Most of the games they've been actually either very close or down in the first half and they've come out there and made the adjustments. So, the players are starting to play. The offense is Buck Pierce has become a phenomenal offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, every year people like now that O'Shea's on his like one year contracts, people don't know what's going to happen. People are speculating maybe Toronto, who knows, but um, if they win again, O'Shea's won three in a row. What more can he really do there? Right. So It'd be kind of weird if, Ottawa's doing well. Like, it, it, I mean, Toronto. If if they made the yeah, change, are, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be kind of weird. But at the same time, how do you how do you pass up a Mike O'Shea in your locker room? Uh, oh, for sure. Like everyone just is speculating because of the pinball connection. Yeah. But yeah. Um, maybe you know he he turned around Winnipeg. Like maybe maybe Ottawa, maybe Hamilton. Maybe they're gonna look to blow up enough. Maybe Saskatchewan. Who knows? Like that would be that a great heel turn. That'd be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> we could have two very big heel turns possibly in the soft season. I think we'll talk about the other one a little later. Maybe O'Shea and Bo Mitchell to Saskatchewan. I think Ryder fans are just dreaming when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, but sign me the hell up. <laughs> Oliveira had six point seven yards of carry against Hamilton, and he had five and a half yards of carry against Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago. One note, the Bombers signing Keon Adams. Uh, Spent time with the Riders on the defensive line and the Bombers experiencing some injury issues on uh, their defense. Theadric Hansen hurt. Jackson Jeffcoat is hurt as well. So that does give them some depth on the defensive line. If you do look at the injury report this week, they do have Dan Clark, the Riders do, as questionable so we'll see. Charbel DeBeer is uh, questionable. That's what he's listed as. Uh, Samuel Emelis for the Riders is out. Logan Furland is questionable. If he gets back into the lineup and Dan Clark gets onto the offensive line for the Riders, I think that will be a couple big additions for them. Uh, Taryn Vaughn is also 
questionable, even though uh, he's been practicing in full. So, I mean, three new additions to the O-line. And uh, Duke Williams is questionable. He practiced in full Monday and Tuesday, did not practice Wednesday. We'll see if he gets back into the receiving court for them. As for the Bombers, uh, a whole pile of players that have not practiced currently listed as questionable. Those include Drew Wallatarski, Stanley Bryant, Jackson Whoa. Jeffcoat, Nick Taylor, Noah Hallett, and Theadric Hansen. So the Bombers do have their share of injury issues happening right now as well. Looks like it kind of equals out for Friday's game at IG Field. The BC Lions, seven-point favorites against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Over-under, set at 46 and a half. A couple weeks ago, I might have said this would be a gimme for the BC Lions, but without the voodoo of TD Place looming over the Ottawa Red Blacks, they may be... I don't know what to expect from them, but that game... Last week against the Argos, quite honestly, it was embarrassing. They were coming off a big win against the Owls. They beat them by two touchdowns. And then they lose to the Argos by five, go on to the bye, and then they come back next week and just get absolutely crushed. Caleb Evans gets put into the game. He throws two pick sixes. and The game was close. I mean... Uh, in the first half, and then the second half just completely collapsed. But that seems to be the TD place thing. They might be able to go to BC, and they might be able to to surprise some people and surprise the Lions because the Lions' offense not scaring anybody, especially after that performance against Calgary, and the Ottawa defense... They can be solid. They can be. So <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens uh, coming up this uh, Friday night, the doubleheader in BC, because the Lions, to their credit, uh, Brian Burnham on the six-game injured list with a fractured wrist, and it happened with like a minute left in that game against Calgary. So that takes away another leader on the Lions' offense, from Vernon Adams Jr. Lucky Whitehead hasn't been hasn't been rolling like we've come to expect. So that has to be a point of focus for BC. Gotta get Lucky going. Gotta keep hitting Dominic Rhymes. I think this game is probably closer than people uh, want to admit, especially since it's in BC. I think if it was in Ottawa, yeah, we can put it all down on the Lions, but I don't know. I see that seven-point spread for the Lions being a bit generous, man. I don't know. I'd say it's pretty fair. Like, <clears throat> Ottawa's going to be pissed off, so hopefully they would play a little more – or play a little harder there. But they're still traveling cross-country. That is tough. Uh, There's still the Ottawa Red Blacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is an extra week for uh, Vernon Adams to get gelling with his team, with his offense. Uh, losing Burnham obviously sucks. Yeah. Still has Rhymes. Uh, yeah. Still has Whitehead. Maybe they've, they've had the chance this week, I guess, to maybe try to get Whitehead more involved, knowing that Burnham won't be on the field. <laughs> Butler kind of getting a little back to form. Ah. Well, I he, don't had, know. It, he it, has a uh, 6.5 yards per carrier the past yeah. couple weeks, and uh, he had a almost a 30-point fantasy game against Ottawa in week four. So, yeah. I mean, if the passing game is not going to be what it was with Nathan Rourke, that's obvious. They need to have more balance, obviously, with James Butler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just, I think that seven points is probably pretty fair. Uh, I I'm not as hesitant with you to think that Ottawa has as much chance I think as you do, but uh, it's 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 always tough playing in BC and especially those Eastern teams having to travel out there. Um, no different than the West having to go to Montreal or well, not this past couple in Ottawa, but uh, it's just I think everything's working against Ottawa right now. But we'll see. I hope it's an exciting, close, down to the wire game. We've had a lot of those this year, so 
hopefully it continues. It's very, I guess, just uneven with Ottawa. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they filled their shorts, and I wouldn't be surprised if they gave BC a whole bunch of fits. I they yeah, they, yeah. they could be anything, especially on the road. They last one in Vancouver. Uh, it was in 2017, and I know there was the missed. Uh, Missed 2020 season, but that's the last time the Ottawa Red Blacks won in Vancouver, just by my quick research as uh, I've been talking to you here. Uh, The Ottawa Red Blacks may have some veterans returning to the fold a little bit here. William Powell uh, was practicing in limited capacity this week. Sherrod Baltimore practicing in limited capacity this week as well. And Darius Sirocco. Uh, who missed last week's game, was also limited. Should mention that it does appear that uh, Nate Bahar has been ruled out this week. Oh, yeah, they have uh, Sirocco now is out, Yukombre Williams is out, and even though William Powell practiced in full on Wednesday, he has been ruled out for Friday's game as well. Lorenzo Malden is questionable and I I looked at and and the reason why I thought that maybe Ottawa would be able to give BC fits is because Calgary's D line and I know it's Calgary and I know they've got some great players on the D line they were all over Vernon Adams and when when he's not releasing the ball as fast as a Nathan Rourke you can get into trouble pretty quickly there and Malden has been an absolute beast. This season, I mean, he single-handedly could create some problems for Vernon Adams Jr. in the backfield. So if he's questionable and and if he doesn't go, that'll be a pretty big loss for the Ottawa Red Blacks defense. And that might change things quite a bit for them. Suk Chung uh, practicing in full this week for BC. He's questionable on the uh, offense. Offensive line on the defensive side, Obum uh, Guachem. He hasn't practiced. He's been ruled out, and he's been making some plays this week. So there you go. There's the injury reports for both the Lions and the Red Blacks. Uh, you'd think the Red Blacks would be desperate, trying to get into third place, but the Lions want to stay alive for that home playoff game as well. Of course, having won the season series against Calgary. They are in a pretty decent position to host at least the Western semifinal. We do have a doubleheader on Saturday where the Edmonton Elks are home to the Montreal Alouettes. The Owls are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I also find this to be an intriguing game. I agree. The Elks looked... You know what? I can't even say that they looked that good against Saskatchewan because they gave up 160 yards and penalties. They put the ball on the ground. I know Saskatchewan couldn't recover, <laughs> but they tried to give that win to the Rough Riders, and they just couldn't take it. The Alouettes, surprisingly, 4-1 and one in their last five games. The one loss came to Ottawa, uh, a two-touchdown loss which was a big one for them. Can the Elks get the elusive home win? Not this week. Not this week. Trevor Harris well, uh, playing yeah. his old team. I I don't know. October 1st, Commonwealth Stadium. I'll be in the stands, and I'm intrigued by this one, man. No, like, I, I don't think this game is as much of a a lock like in the past few weeks where we've been continuing to say that they're not going to get that home win. Uh, I do think this is probably the closest game this week that I would say just because, yeah, despite them not seeming to want to win against the Riders, they did. (laughs) They did. Yeah. uh, And Montreal, they, they probably, they've already locked up a home field playoff game anyway. So, I don't think it's time to start resting players, so I don't think they're going to be doing that. So they're still going to want to win. Uh, They can still easily get first. Uh, So they're going to be playing as hard as they can, and I just think that Ottawa – I mean, Montreal, Harris is getting in a groove, like you said, 4-1 and in the last five. Uh, 
Eugene Lewis is like they're they're getting back on the same page. Uh, I I just think Montreal is going to win a close one. I don't think it's going to be, you know, like when Calgary rolled them a couple times. Like I I think it's going to be like a touchdown or ten point maybe win here. But let's just going to say Montreal is going to cover spread. That's all I'm saying. They're gonna they're gonna win. But. And we'll see what happens on the line of scrimmage <laughs> because the Elks absolutely demolished Saskatchewan on the line of scrimmage. If they do that again. Yeah, it's cliche, but that's where a lot of games are won and lost. Jake Serezna has been a monster for the Elks the last couple games. I, I don't know if he's getting the credit that I, I think maybe I think he has deserved over the last little while. They've got Kenny the King Lawler back practicing. We don't know if he'll be playing this week, but they've had some new players step up. Uh Dylan Mitchell now becomes one of the best deep threats in the CFL. The running back, Kevin Brown, and that's just it. If you're not working in the Chris Jones system, he'll continue to find players. And, hey, we're in week 17, and we still have new players emerging and uh, making an impact on that Edmonton Elks team. I I think the the O-line for the Owls, a little bit Tougher, I think, to dominate them than Saskatchewan's. And they've got some players on the D-line as well. This is a very, very interesting game with Danny Machocha making his return to uh, to Commonwealth Stadium as well. The Elks' rush defense dominated Saskatchewan, and it, it does appear now that Frankie Hickson was playing with a hurt wrist. Um, so that seems kind of tough to hold a football when uh, <laughs> when your wrist isn't feeling 100%. But William Stanback back practicing for Montreal this week. It doesn't look like he's going to play in Edmonton. Looks like they're kind of targeting a October 10th game Thanksgiving against Ottawa. But the Elks don't have uh, a very good rush defense. Let's let's be real here and teams are really running against them the elks given up 5.2 yards a carry and a league worst 115.2 yards a game they seem to be going a little bit thunder and lightning in montreal between walter fletcher look at that another former edmonton elk and jeshwin antwi so Let's see if they're going to be running all over those Edmonton Elks because at times this season, it's been up and down. You've been able to run on Edmonton. That'll be a big a big strategy, at least I think, for the Owls. If they can't run, Edmonton makes Trevor Harris beat them. And I don't know if that's a formula to success for Montreal. No, but I, I really hope, and and Chris Jones won't let this happen, but they can't think that they're as good as they were last week against the Riders. Like when they were they were getting to the quarterback, dropping only rushing three and dropping everyone else, Trevor Harris, I think, can read a defense a little better than Cody Fajardo. And Cody, I think he's been gun shy and he's been, you know, tur- doing that circle or that spin move out a little bit quick. And so – if they're going to drop back and only rush three, Trevor's going to have more time because their O-line is better. And he's able to see, and and he's not afraid to fire it in there into, you know, tight double coverage. And he's got a good rifle of an arm. So I just think that Montreal's offense is, is quite a bit better than Saskatchewan's was. I'm not saying is, but was when they played them last week. So that's mainly the reason why I think that uh, Harris and, and the Ovens are going to have a better game against Edmonton. And the penalties. Like, unless oh, they yeah. can cut down on those penalties, uh, which they've had a problem with penalties at home this season too. So A better team will make you pay for that. Exactly. And, and <laughs> I'm sorry, but the odds of six fumbles and zero recoveries <laughs> happening in a game is like, Zero. That's remarkable. <laughs> of course it had to happen to the Riders, but it's just – that's just a weird game, man. I, I just think that 
Montreal has the tools and they will use those tools and make Edmonton pay for the mistakes, unlike what the Riders did last week. And I, I know I mentioned, you know, Edmonton's defense struggles, defensive struggles against the run, but Montreal has had their fair share of that as well. Um, Montreal has given up the second most rushing TDs in the league. Well, the team that's given up the most is Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> the team that's given up the second most rush yards per game is Montreal. So two of the teams that have been struggled most against the run this year are playing against each other. Uh, in three games this season, Kevin Brown has 29 carries and an 8.4 yards per carry average. You need to get this guy the ball against the Alouettes at home. And, hey, Taylor Cornelius, that that guy can make things happen with his legs as well. It'll be uh, an interesting game, Commonwealth Stadium, this Saturday. Maybe maybe an opportunity to start uh, Dom Davis in your quarterback slot. I mean, the guy's getting rushing touchdowns galore, and Edmonton's given up 26 of them, the most in the CFL. I don't know if I have the guts to start Dominic Davis, <laughs> but it might be, if you're going to do it, this week mm-hmm. might be the week to make it happen. Like, if you get yeah. one of those where he gets a hat trick of touchdowns or something, you're laughing, man. You're laughing. Especially because then you can load up and get another top-tier receiver, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. It's I, I'm not Tyrell. I'm not a degenerate gambler, so I can't <laughs> I can't do stuff like that, even though this is for no money. <laughs> uh, the last game of the week is the Calgary Stampeders, five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Toronto Argonauts. Over-under is set at 53, and the Argos on a four-game win streak right now. We acknowledge that... All four of those games were against the combination of the Tiger Cats and the Red Blacks. So there you go. But two straight wins against uh, any football team is is pretty good. And I think the Argos have a reason to be excited here. I, I think people aren't really giving them the credit. And they want to... They want to finish first in the East, and they've won quite a bit of games lately. If they beat Calgary, that is a big statement for that Toronto Argonauts team because no longer can we say, oh, well, they're in the East. They haven't really beaten anybody. They got the two wins against Saskatchewan. They got a pile of wins against Hamilton, three of them, and they've got two against Ottawa. If they go to Calgary... A team that's only 500 at home, actually, and win that. We got to start respecting the Argos going into the playoffs, man. Yeah, like McLeod is, he's been, he's been doing a very Matt Nichols type off. Like he's just, he's not being flashy, but he's getting some results. And uh, he seems to be their guy. Like he's, He's winning them football games, and it's it's kind of interesting because the the schedule is so skewed, and now we're seeing like these Eastern teams, especially yeah. Toronto, Montreal, kind of going on that roll at the end of the year here. So I don't know, maybe maybe they were right to do it this way. I I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, no. And <clears throat> listen, like Calgary has been good, but they've also been not so good. So if if Toronto is going to be that legitimate threat that comes out of the East to challenge Winnipeg or Calgary in the, in the gray cup, it, now's the perfect time for them to show who they are. And that defense, they deserve some respect. I think they've got some real players on the D line. Jagera Davis coming back last week, Shane Ray, if he continues to stay healthy, Winton McManus and he Mwamba in the linebacking core and that's secondary. <laughs> They've they have 22 interceptions on the year. They've only given up 13 passing touchdowns. Th- that secondary <laughs> is, is making things happen. And look, 
I think Chris Edwards is a bit of a polarizing player, but that guy is all over the field as well mm-hmm. for the Argos. That That's a group that uh, I, I don't really want to mess with. Jamal Peters, we know what he can do. And last week, Maurice Carnell, he, he made it happen against Ottawa. And they got former Stan Peters in there, Royce Mechie, Deshaun Amos, and, hey, Tavares McFadden. <laughs> they have players on that defense. I didn't even mention Sean Oakman, Dwayne Hendricks. Calgary's going to have their hands full this week. And the Stamps, without their starting left tackle, man, it's tough to see. Uh, Derek Dennis, uh, broken fibula last week in Vancouver. Um, Yeah, he'll fight. He'll get back. The CFL needs more players like Bone Crusher. Love that guy. Uh, we'll always be appreciative for him stepping in at the last minute and coming to two and out live at Booker's Barbecue in Calgary. Uh, what a guy he is, and the CFL is better with him in it. So a speedy recovery to him. Uh, Danny Austin, uh, beat reporter for the Stamps, reporting that Josh Coker appears to be the guy set to take over, or at least get a real look at left tackle for the Stampeders. He's only gotten into one game so far this season and his CFL career. That was week 12 against Winnipeg. But the big news out of Calgary, I guess it kind of buried the lead a little bit, was Jake Mayer extended through 2024. And that's why you brought it up a little bit. Where does Bo Levi Mitchell quarterback or just get his paychecks, period, in 2023, because right now it doesn't appear it's going to be with the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, like, and he's only like next year he'll be 33. It's like, it feels like he's been he's, playing forever because uh, he like he he broke into the league when he was like what 21, 22, and he did, he had a few seasons before he took over for Burst. They're like, in the exact same fashion that Mayer is now taking over for yeah, him. Yeah. It's just the Calgary quarterback factory just continuing to go. Um, I hope he's not retiring. Like, he did great in the booth in the playoffs last year, and I think he definitely has a future there. Or not the booth, the panel, I guess. Yeah. I think he has a future there when he is done. But Burris played till he's 41. Uh, like, I know he's having some shoulder issues, and maybe with him not – technically playing the rest of the season. Maybe it gives him a little bit of more time to actually maybe fully rehab it to see if that's something that's possible. This doesn't do the job. Yeah, Cody has four regular season games and cements his status as a starter for the Riders. But if he if he can't do anything, I, I, I hate to say it, Cody's a nice guy, but I hate, like, it's time to move on from him if he can't do anything here. Bo could come here. Bo could go maybe. You don't know what's going to happen in Winnipeg. Caleros is going to be a free agent next year. Who knows what happens there? I'm sure Claris is going to want to stay there with what they have, but can they keep that team together, that O-line together? That's his protection. I guess that's the other question. You know, Arbuckle is coming along a little bit in Ottawa finally, so I don't know if potentially there maybe. It depends on if La Police gets shown the door. Hamilton, you don't know what's going to happen there. If, or if Steinhauer maybe gets fired, you, Dane Evans has been hot and cold, so – there's definitely landing spots for Bo next year. Um, I know a lot of people bringing up Toronto, but yeah, I don't know. He's got the connection. One. Well, he's got the connection with uh, Dick or, um, Dinwiddie. Yeah, Dinwiddie. Yeah. So, and was he really that close to signing there, or was he just you know inflating his numbers back in 2019? We'll never know, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he's got landing spots. Um, he's not going to get that, you know, $700,000 price tag anymore. He's probably looking. I don't know if anybody's going to get that anymore. No, no. They, I think they realized that they, I think the GMs realized that they, they raised the market there too. Just like the receivers. I think that's going to come down in the next couple of years. Uh, this year it got really bad for the receivers inflating their salaries. So, Well, look at the teams that have the two highest paid receivers, Duke Williams and Kenny Lawler. Right. And I know the highest paid <laughs> yeah. player in the team is in the league is on Winnipeg, and, and that's working out for them 
a lot, but he also didn't get the 700 like uh, Michael Riley mm-hmm. or uh, a Bo was commanding. I don't think Bo got the money yeah. that Riley did, but no. uh, that's where we are. And hey, there there was an article, Taylor Cornelius and uh, Jake Mayer, the second year of their contracts, basically six figures of that is guaranteed. And that is good news for the players. That's good news for those quarterbacks. We've seen it in the past where somebody's doing an off-season roster bonus and they just get cut before that. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's a quarterback, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll see teams doing that. Uh, but the fact that, yeah, a good portion of those contracts are guaranteed for the players that is so good to see. As far as Bo goes, you're right. Now, coming into the season, I mean, he was adamant that he's healthy, the, the shoulder's okay at times this season, struggled at times, looked great. And somebody next year, if he does decide to keep on playing, is going to get a proven quarterback with a chip on their shoulder. And that is going to be a good quarterback, I think, to have on your team. But it'll be interesting to see what Calgary does here. Do you want to let him walk for absolutely nothing after the season? Or do you try to get something? And I don't know if it's smart to trade him, though. Like, (laughs) I mean, mean, right now, because you do want that insurance going into the playoffs and the Stamps, of course, have the best insurance probably in the CFL at the quarterback position. But what what are teams going to give up at this point in the year to make it worth it for Calgary? Yeah, like, I think it depends. Like, I think if if they did trade him now, they could potentially probably ask for like a first pick and and probably an impact player so let's for let's and they're never going to trade in the division but but the riders most likely won't be in the western division for the playoffs That's so true. let's let's think that for a second let's say the riders send their first pick and duke williams that that could get i think that could probably get bo levi mitchell out of calgary but that would be then, a blockbuster. <laughs> it would be, and, and and the CFL, you know, doesn't have blockbusters. But like that—that's a deal that could work for both teams because you know Duke's had his issues here. He's he's well, he's a hell of a player still. It's not like yeah. he forgot how to catch yeah. the football. But maybe it's just not working out here, and maybe a change of scenery might reignite it, just like a change of scenery for Bo would reignite things. And then you get that pick. If Calgary waits till the end of the year, I don't know you get a first-round pick. You might get like a third or a fourth-round pick for the rights maybe um, just so that that team can have that extra, you know, couple yeah. months bargaining power with him. But at the same time, is there's now that week-long legal tampering period. So is it worth sending a pick? Because you still have a week you can talk to him. I don't know. Uh, Huffnagel, I think... I think he's smart enough not to trade away the backup quarterback when they have a legitimate chance at, at the cup. But is he too smart to pass up on what he could get in return? I, I don't know. And I'd love to see a block buzzer, even if it's not the Riders. Like, I it just it'd be nice to see. Like, you know, yeah. trade deadline comes and goes. Like, it's a whimper. There's maybe one trade. Yeah. So it, it but it's hard to learn a new system. It's not like hockey where someone can jump in and and play, you know, a couple days after getting traded, you need a few weeks, especially with the way that some of the court, the coordinators have their offenses and it, cause the, the trade deadline is next week, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So if he gets traded from another team, he's probably gonna need a good couple weeks to get ready. And then you're at like the last I game know. of the season. And then you have playoffs when anything can happen in the playoffs, but it worked out for Kolaris going to Winnipeg late in the year. Sure as heck did. <laughs> sure as heck did. But at um, the same time, I think I think Winnipeg was fine with rolling with Strebler. He just started to like struggle, right? So because Kolaris, I think he they was had at, nothing he was to lose the, in that trade. Nothing. 
Yeah, no, but he he was the insurance. I don't think he was the the he's going to save the day and win us the cup, right? So it's a little bit of a different circumstance, but I'm here for it. Bring him. He he has like probably twice the speed and the accuracy of Reed's. I would say to Cody, like O line. The O line's going to be as bad. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> Well, but the thing is, like he he gets rid of the ball probably the quickest out of any quarterbacks, I would say. And he doesn't move from the pocket. He just yeah. snap yeah. one, two, it's gone, right? So I don't know if if a weaker O-line like would be that much of a bad – okay, it'd be a bad thing, but I mean, like I think he could supp- supplement the issues on the O-line better than Cody does currently, let's say that. Ryder Nation has appointed their guy in the past, Cough James Franklin, and uh, he went to Toronto and uh, fizzled out there. Uh, I'm not going to anoint anybody going to Saskatchewan, but it is fun to talk about. Uh, The Argos are going to be getting some enforcements back. Cam Phillips uh, appears to be back in the starting lineup this week at receiver. Dinwiddie says the plan is to rotate receivers. Uh, Phillips, Banks, and Curly Gittens together there. And before the end of the year, it does look like they're going to be getting Peter Nicastro back. Uh, He was hurt at the beginning of the year. Shane Lawrence stepped in and has started uh, at offensive line ever since. And they've also brought in Ryan Hunter, offensive lineman who was a former first-round pick for the Argos, was just cut by... Kansas City, he can play guard or center, has never played in Canada, but now the Argos have some depth at offensive line. I really believe that they are set up, and last year they were too, but they ran into a Ticats team in the East Final that that shut them up, and the Argos are going to want to get past that game and get over the hump. I think this Argos Stamps game, it's going to be another good one. And the Stamps offense really needs to, they need to gain some consistency this week. And it's not an easy task going against (laughs) that Argos defense who is playing with a lot of confidence right now. And man, I'm really a fan of AJ Olette lately. There were a few drives against Ottawa where it was him on almost every every play, whether they were running the ball with him or passing the ball with him. And, man, when, when your receiver is or your running back is making those sorts of plays in the aerial attack, it's great for your fantasy lineup. Last week he had five catches on five targets for 33 yards and a touchdown. And the week before against Ottawa, four catches, four targets, and 26 yards. That is a valuable amount of numbers for your running back in your fantasy lineup. It'll be a tough one. For Calgary here, the injury report this week for the Stamps. Kadeem Carey was sick on Tuesday, didn't practice. Good news is he was back on Wednesday. Oh, Romeo McKnight not practicing. We've got Mike Rose. He's sick. He hasn't practiced this week yet. Hopefully he is good to go. And as for Toronto, it looks like Jamal Peters hasn't practiced this week. So that would be quite the loss in the secondary for the Toronto Argonauts. But I I think this might be uh, the game of the week. Toronto, Calgary on Saturday. Both teams have a lot to prove, and both teams have a lot to play for, man. Agreed. Yeah, no, I had this pencil down as my game of the week, too. Uh, I think it's probably going to be... An offensive shootout, uh, even though the, both defenses are great. Um, I do think it's going to be an offensive shootout. I think Mayer is going to be probably pretty pumped that he got that extension. Yeah. I th- he's going to want to be able to show people that he deserves it and that if there's anybody who is still doubting that he's he should be the guy to take over for Bo. Um, and I just – Toronto, like I said, McLeod's quietly just bombing the ball in there too and – 
and Brandon Banks has warmed up. Like you said, Curly Gittins Jr. is, is starting to play really well. So, uh, second game of a doubleheader to be a shootout on a Saturday night, nothing better than that. I this episode of 2 and Out brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you, and you can use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. You can find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. It's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. The CFL Podcast Fantasy League this week. I've got superfan Mike from the Turf District Podcast. Ty Hazak from bonfiresports.ca. My lineup this week right now. I don't know if I'll keep it this way. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., just because he's cheap, fifth, just under $6,000. Uh, Brady Oliveira, He's $6,700. Kevin Brown at an even $5,000. Dominic Rimes at $8,600. Darrell Walker, two consecutive 100-yard games for the Elks. And uh, Taylor Cornelius seems to like looking his way. He's $5,400. Peyton Logan at $4,800 in my flex. And the Bomber defense is $3,200. I have 47 bucks left over. What's your lineup looking like, Sheldon? Well, I don't have the dollar figures, but... Uh, That's all. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm also going with Vernon Adams because, like you said, he's, he's the, the pick so that you can get a few other, maybe a better other player. Um, I, I think he is going to have a good game having that extra week of practice, like I said earlier. Uh, I have my running backs are Peyton Logan, and I went with a value pick of Keenan LaFrance. Just uh, I'm hopeful that they're going to run the ball a little bit to try to set up some play action against Winnipeg, but I also don't know if that's going to happen. That's why I only spent $2,500 on him. Uh, but that, that allowed me to get Dominique Grimes and Eugene Lewis for my receivers. Ooh. Uh, so I'm hoping I can get a lot of bang for those expensive receivers there. And then in my flex, I got Super Mario. Uh, I have a feeling the Bombers are going to be kicking off a lot. So <laughs> I feel like he's going to get a, a good amount of uh, returns. And then I, I do have the Bombers defense as well. Man, that that's one note. I think Salisbury and Edmonton is on the verge of breaking a return one of these weeks. Every every time he seems to get one, they, they have like an illegal block or a, uh, <laughs> a holding call. But one of these yeah. times, they're going to break one in Edmonton, and I'm sure fans in Edmonton have been saying that for a decade now. Uh, who are you picking to win the games this week? <sighs> uh, you go for you go. Okay. Right now, I've got... All West teams, Winnipeg, BC, Edmonton, Calgary. Yeah, that's what I am right now. I might flip-flop 15 times before the weekend, but what are your picks looking like? Uh, so we're we're similar on three. So I have Winnipeg, BC. I do have Montreal, and I have Calgary. Uh, I'm not just being a dick because they're at home. Uh, I do think that Montreal is going to beat Edmonton, but that's the one that I kind of have been – flopping all week in my head like maybe this is the week that Edmonton does get that win but I think Montreal is going to still take it so like I lock them in with my 69% confidence nice and I thought that Edmonton had it locked in against Ottawa back in August so <laughs> I don't know what Elks team we're going to see at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday but they've got three home games left this season to try to get off off the schneid and end that remarkable in a bad way home losing streak <laughs> I, I hope they do. I, I hope they do. Those Elks fans, they deserve to see their team win. They are a hearty group in Edmonton. Uh, Sheldon, thanks for coming on the show this week. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can ring the bell, subscribe, and leave a comment on YouTube as well. We will be back on Monday and all together, we will see the prog progress of Brazilian Ty's mustache. Uh, it now has a Twitter account. It has been two weeks since we've seen 
the stash in person. So I'm hoping for some gains. You, Sheldon, you should have some gains in a couple like, weeks. It better, it better like be like Ted Lasso, Ron Swanson. <laughs> like it better be getting there. Or like I know he was growing the handlebars too, so maybe we're. Like, I'm excited to see that like, too. Yeah, no, I. We're all excited. <laughs> We'll talk to you Monday. Enjoy week 17 of CFL action. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.